ladies and gentlemen, everything is happening, and we don't know what to do. So we're just going to tackle as much as we can. The NHL awards, the ballots have been unveiled, the trophies have been handed out. There was a guy that disrespected Connor McDavid so much. Could be a gal, I don't know. I'm not going to assume gender is here. But we're going to talk about that in the draft takeaways as well. Uh, a lot happened, not trades, but a lot of interesting selections were made. And uh, a lot of eager aggressiveness from uh, the Nashville Predators draft table as well. And then the trades started to flood in, in between the draft, after the draft. And they're going to start to pick up again. And also, the glorious free agency chatter, just completely overblown. There are probably some overpays, and we're going to talk about all of that in episode 371 of the Lace Muff Podcast, which starts right now. them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Starting our madness with the NHL awards. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're, we're just going to save the Conor McDavid bit for last because it's, yeah. it's hilarious. Well, it's hilarious to the point of why. Well, I, I will say that, well, I guess we can actually start with that because um, the... Um, yeah, so, so I, I guess if you haven't heard that, well, I mean, so I guess, well, first off, I, I feel like we should, before we tackle anything, I do want to mention that we have a lot to cover. We're not going to be able to, I can already tell you flat out, we're not going to be able to cover everything that happened in last week. Um, and any, like, anything that we miss, we'll probably cover sometime in the future. Um like not to mention like free agency happened yesterday um and you know we're still we're still getting used to what what's going on there so i think next week we'll take a deeper dive into the free agency pool and and what happened there um but um but yeah so so this this week's episode we'll still cover what happened in uh, yesterday on saturday uh but we're not gonna go too in depth um, into it, maybe. Well, we'll probably go to in depth in it, but uh, but yeah, anything that's not covered today, we'll probably cover next week or the week after that, or the week after that, or the week after that, um, or during the season preview, or during the season preview, exactly. Um, but uh, and I mean, what's funny is is like the things that we we are gonna cover. It's like like two of the things: the draft and the awards. They didn't really do like it was kind of boring. I didn't even watch the awards, which is funny because like the Bruins won a lot of the awards uh, that the, this year. Um, maybe it has something like like um, subconsciously. I was just like, well, I just want to forget about the regular seat like last season, just because it's like we didn't win the cup. But we only accomplished a lot, and our exploits are long. I want to forget about everything. I- Right, right, right. Well, this is what Steve's more interested in is like because uh, you just you just showed all the votes, but I think it's like it's more that like we talked about this awards for the long like for the last like three months or so, and all the winner like all the people who won were as expected. Uh, Connor McDavid, of course, won the heart. Ulmark won the the Vezina. 
Uh, Eric Carlson uh, won the Norris. There was a little bit of um, some pull for um, the, uh, who was the, I think it was like Adam Fox was the, the second guy. Yeah, um, but, uh, but yeah, ultimately, uh, yeah, Eric Carlson won in a landslide against Adam Fox, even though Adam Fox won. Um, and then Montgomery won the Jack Adams. Bergeron won the Bergeron Award. Uh, Matty Veneers won the Calder. Um, I think who won the Lady Bing? You just have this here, but you just put these in tweets here of like the actual ballot. Kopitar um, won the Lady Bing. Kopitar did. Kopitar did. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was Jack Hughes because I I thought he was like, because no. he uh, he was interviewed. Um, oh, that's why. Because I saw a clip that uh, Jack Hughes was being interviewed about being gentlemanly, and he said like, "Yeah, I'm I'm gentlemanly off the ice as well. I I hold doors for the ladies as well." So I thought that was kind of funny, but um. But yeah, Kopitar ended up winning. So maybe Kopitar is more gentlemanly. Um, and the other the other thing that I heard what happened was, because when uh, Montgomery won the Jack Adams, uh, he, you know, he, um, he went into rehab, and that's how he uh, ended up leaving the Dallas Stars organization. Um, and uh, he took some time off because he was uh, he was going to be like he was going to an alcoholic anonymous rehab center, um, and uh, so then he talked a lot a lot about that in the speech. And then the next like in ten seconds, the NHL award said like, "Oh hey, everyone get free beer or something." It was kind of like tone deaf, um, but uh, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the NHL takes exception with the. Tony D'Angelo potential trade back to Carolina, but right. when it comes to like a topic like the pride jerseys, it's just like ah. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just like it their is, priorities are weird sometimes. I can't read this league. It, it, it was just tone deaf. It's like yeah, I, I mean, I guess I get that people love beer and all that stuff and you know sponsors and whatnot, but yeah, it's a it's a little bit tone deaf when someone was just talking about how he he's a recovering alcoholic and then the next minute he goes like oh but. Everyone here in the awards gets gets some beer. So, again, I ha- I hadn't actually the other watched. The scenario that unfolded is some with the gambling addiction. You know, talking yeah, about yeah. the gambling addiction and knowing how common the gambling yeah. ads are, you see like two yeah. ads back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I and granted, I never actually saw the awards, but I did hear that it was pretty bad. So in tone deaf, but um, I mean, how many award shows are actually good? No offense to the people True. who put on the award shows. Yeah. We're here to see who freaking won the award. Yeah, but although yeah, like everything else is like, oh, okay, that's cool, but I just want to see. That that is true, award. but I will say that like for this particular award show, like everyone who we expected to win ended up winning. So it's not like you know, it's just a boring yeah. award. You should yeah. you should probably go back to the to the Zoom meetups for this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the only thing, uh, so yeah, we'll get into the, how the actual votes came out, but, um, I do want to mention that Patrice Bergeron, uh, he, he now, I mean, he holds the record. I think he hold, held the record last year, but if he does retire, he retires on top because he had the best, uh, two-way season in history. 
um, and he ended up getting 187 first place votes. Um, yeah, I'm shocked he got that many. Like, I I know like Bergeron's great, but he sure and Marner are like you know climbed yep. up the ranks. Like a winger being involved in the Soki conversation. Yeah. I thought you know each of them would have gotten like at least eight. Yeah. And he just mopped the floor with all of them. Well, I will say that that is what I mean. Obviously, I'm biased, but that is also like even if I wasn't a Bruins fan, like that's what happened. Bergeron didn't let. Like, he only allowed five goals when he was on ice and even strength. Like, that's incredible. That's so, actually incredible. Like, so, all year? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so like, okay, wow. just, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a Hall of Fame stat right there. Well, I mean, that's, yeah. That you put in the Hall of Fame next to your resume. And I, I, I mean, you didn't laugh at my joke, but I said that Bergeron won the Bergeron Award. But, uh... Um, yeah. It will be the Bergeron Award soon. Pretty sure. Speaking of off-season topics, uh, like, that's a no-brainer. Exactly. Uh, But, yeah, no, and, and, you know, not to take anything away from Nico Hischer and Mitchell Marner, but, uh, but yeah, everyone, so uh, let me see here. So Nico had three, Marner had three first-place votes. Jordan Stahl had one (laughs) first-place vote. And uh, Anze Kopitar had two. So if you add those, yeah, so nine first-place votes for anyone not named Bergeron. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I guess there weren't a ton of surprises, really, when I'm looking at it here. I guess Noah Cates got some votes. Um, I didn't even know he was in the league. Um, Jason Robertson got some votes. Uh, Jason Robertson got some votes. Um, um, so, so that's a decent list here. But, um... But yeah, I guess the the when uh, Steve alluded to this, that well, the other thing that we wanted to talk about was uh, the Hart Trophy vote uh, because uh, McDavid ran away with it um, to an absurd degree. Uh, he had 195 first place votes. He only had one fifth place vote, and the only other player who didn't have who had a first place vote was David Pasternak. My guy, uh, first place, who had a first place vote. Um, I actually, so I was listening to the Puck Soup podcast, and you would think that this guy would be like a Bruins beat writer, um, and it turned out it was actually um, someone like someone else who's in the hockey world, but he actually owned up to it and said, that, "Yeah, I, I put uh, Connor McDavid fifth. Um, so the thing is, is that like, yeah, I guess if you're like, for a Hart Trophy winner, like, obviously, I still would have given McDavid the first place vote, but you can make a case for anyone else because, like, Connor McDavid has Leon Dreisaitl on his team, um, and most valuable player is, like, you know, if you take Connor McDavid out of, Ed- of Edmonton, Leon Dreisaitl would probably still win you a couple of games, and pro- Edmonton would probably still be in the playoffs. Um, but of course, like Connor McDavid had like the best season in the post lockout era in history by a mile. So like, okay, I get it. But like on the other hand, if you're you're t- thinking of like who's the most valuable of the team, however, if you're gonna like put that first place vote to David Pasternak, it's like well Pasternak's on a, <laughs> a great team as well because if you don't have Pasternak, yeah, they're they're probably not as the Bruins aren't aren't as good. Sure, but you also had Linus Allmark, who won the Vezina. You have Patrice Bergeron, who won the Selkie. 
Brad Marchand, Taylor Hall was on the third line, Charlie McAvoy, um, you know, I could go down the whole list. Hampus Lindholm got some Norris Trophy votes as well, so, um, so if you're... Yeah, put on him, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, like, even still, it's like, okay, I can understand why you wouldn't have McDavid as a first place vote, but then it's like, why David Pasternak, if you're gonna base it off of that, so then, and, and you also put McDavid fifth instead of second. <laughs> so, yeah. so, like, okay. Like, I could understand Matthew Kachuk, I could understand um, Jack Hughes even, um, Jason Robertson as well, but, and Nathan McKinnon too, because considering Camel Carr missed a lot of the season, um, and, and Landis Cog. But, yeah, Pasternak, I, 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 obviously I love the guy, but, uh, yeah, I don't understand it if you're going, basing it off of that. Yeah, so, so the McDavid, so McDavid, uh, uh, so the one first place vote going to Pasternak, I am totally fine with that. Because Pasternak had an incredible year. And yep. if there's anyone, I would probably give a first place vote to it's Pasternak. Yep. What I had an issue with is why McDavid fifth? Yeah. Like, That's also if you like dry saddle more, okay, fine. Then he's third. Yeah. But, and every, like, like shout out to everyone who got hard trophy votes because they freaking earned mm. Like, every single person who got a hard trophy vote. Like, there are a lot of incredible seasons. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Jason Robertson, Matthew Kachuk, Jack Hughes, Mitch Marner, all that jazz. They were all great. Nathan McKinnon, the short amount of time he played, great as well. But when you have a guy who records over 150 points, which puts him all time, I think it's 15th in terms of yeah. highest point productions in NHL history, hovering around the top 10, mm. if you give him an extra handful of games, he probably gets to like, I don't know, 10th, 11th, 12th all-time yeah. in NHL history. You give him fifth place despite those numbers. I'm sorry, the argument's indefensible. Yep. Like, like he's doing stuff that hasn't been done in decades. Yep. And that is at least second place, not fifth. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'd love to see the ballot. Whoever did that, own up. Put your tweet, uh, someone, justify some- it. I want to see the someone uh, as I, I just I just mentioned someone did uh, own up to it, but I don't think he tweeted about it. Uh, but yeah, someone on pucks. Uh, there was someone who talked to Ryan Lambert, and uh, that person did tell Ryan, to go all in. If yeah. you're gonna put McDavid fifth, get your debate topic ready. I want to hear it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's not even worth Absolute the debate. Integrity, my friends. If you're gonna do the thing. Make sure you have your debate ready. Yeah, th- the thing is, is that, like, I don't even think it's worth the debate. It's like, you know, it's just one guy. You know, who cares? I just wanted uh, to see what was going through their head, you know? Like, but, like, I, I think that's... It's like, okay. But yeah, yeah, but it's like... Don't just it, say, I grand, put fifth and walk away. Like, in no. the grand scheme of things, it's, it doesn't really matter. But, yeah. At I, least the guy who left Bergeron off the ballot for the oh, yeah, yeah. that one time? Yeah, yeah. Like, they... The first oh. was like, hey... I'm gonna yeah. come out. I gotta come clean. I didn't but, put Bergeron on my ballot. You're the guys I put ahead of. Yeah. Here's why I put the guys ahead. Well, of. he was an idiot. But if yeah. You want, but th- this is this is what was going through my head. But by the way, if someone someone did uh, leave Bergeron off the ballot again this year too, uh, but no one talked about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it happens again, yeah. Um, Dude, cleans up the first plate spots. It's always just like, nah, he's not even worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's like um, it's like that uh, Hall of Fame, baseball Hall of Fame, where like no one's allowed to be like get like a hundred percent in. Like, because it's only to, like, Babe Ruth or whatever. Like, the, the only guy who's been 100% in by voters is Babe Ruth. Really? Um, yeah. Or it's, like, I, I I, it, might not, it might not be Babe Ruth, but it might have, it's, it's definitely some, like, legend, obviously. But it's, uh, but then it's, like, they get very stubborn where they're, like, well, I know that everyone's going to vote in this guy, so I, I'll just put in another vote for other people who deserve some recognition but um yeah i don't know um anyways i'm on the subject uh shout out to jake sanderson for finishing sixth in calder voting yeah. uh yeah. shane pinto by the way had a 20 yep. gold season for the sense also a rookie did not get a single vote yeah not even, not even fifth um okay so now we're moving on to the draft um i we could i could go on about like riley height uh getting a third round pick even though a lot of boards had him in the first round um although i guess i just did but uh but i don't know if we want to go into too much detail i will say uh so i'm gonna list out the top 10 so what ended up happening Connor bedard obviously he went first um then it kind of went into like a little bit of a shocker here because there was some speculation that the anaheim ducks wouldn't pick fantilli um and it might have been mitchkoff um, there were some reports that they might go with Leo Carlson, and that's what they did. Uh, so Leo Carlson went to Anaheim, uh, and then Columbus, like a second later, basically, Yarmo basically just ran up to the stage, picked Adam Fantilli. Um, supposedly, Adam Fantilli like said like in, sometime in March that um, he would love to play in Ohio and Columbus. Um, just because it's near Michigan. Which, which is kind of slander when yeah. you consider he's a University yeah. of Michigan guy. It's just like, yeah, fair. take that out of your mouth. That never yeah. happened. But like... Back now, there's still time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I, there, there is like Ken Johnson. I think they have another U Michigan alumni in there. Oh, uh, Zach oh, Wierenski. Yeah. Yeah. Ohio loves Michigan confirmed. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wierenski's in there. Um... Yeah, there's there's a few uh, Michigan alumni in Columbus there. Forgot about that. But uh, so so maybe there there is some appeal to that. But yeah, it was funny when I saw that clip and like I just didn't put it together. I was like, and then like a second later, it's like, wait a second, Columbus isn't even in Michigan. What, what's what's he talking about? And also like they also hate each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, 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 because of the the Buckeyes. Yeah, but um. But it is funny, it's like, if I, would I rather live in California or Columbus? Um, I think every, like 99% of every American would rather live in Southern California, uh, but not Adam Fantilli, apparently. Um, so, so yeah, Adam Fantilli, I, 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 I doubt that was the only reason that the Ducks chose Leo Carlson, because he is a pretty good in, in Leo Carlson's own right, he is a very good player, um, and he's going to fit well into that system, just like we thought Fantilli would. But it was like you know, at that like after Bedard, it's like like I did think that Fan, I do think that Fantilli is the better prospect than Leo Carlson, but I could also see a case where Leo Carlson's going to kill it in Anaheim. Um, so so I think that would 
um, that that might end up working out for them as well. So um, so I, I don't want you to see like they they only picked Leo Carlson just because Adam Fantilli likes Columbus more than than Anaheim. Um, I, I think I think there was a little bit more to it, but because um, Leo Carlson also had like an incredible year in the SHL, which is an impre- professional hockey league. Um, and yeah, he, uh, he looks poised and there was also some speculation that Fantilli would go back to Michigan where it seems like Leo Carlson's ready to play right now. So maybe that had more to do with it as well. Cause it's like, you, you could, you could like, obviously Connor Bedard, um, was the prize of the prize. But if you're like deciding between Carlson and Fantilli, you could kind of like, you could make a case for either one of them. So. I, I don't want to begrudge Anaheim for making that choice, even though I would have taken Fantilli ahead of Carlson. Anyway, yeah, it, Carlson is a great yeah. is a great pickup when you look at the stats as a teenager playing in a league amongst yeah. men and in the playoffs he was near a point per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think twenty five points in forty four games was his regular season stat line. There's yeah. a lot of room for growth and and the size as well he's six yeah. foot three like yeah, 18 crazy. Old, that's pretty tall yeah and that's Although, definitely uh, play well to his advantage also sign on the pretty tall too. anniversary jersey i might buy that yeah yeah it does look pretty awesome that's true uh fantilly's pretty tall too if i remember correctly um i think uh, yeah but i think both are taller than bedard yeah well yeah bedard's 511 fantilly's 62 so you know, just uh, a little uh shorter than uh, leo carlson you know it's kind of like obviously i think connor bedard is going to be incredible but what is interesting oh yeah so fantilly's 62 and um because i was looking at this the other day uh fantilly's 62 leo carlson is 63 so Carlson's just an inch. I wonder if, like, if Fantilli was 6'3", would that have been the difference? Just an inch. If... <laughs> no, 6'4". Yeah. 6'4". Well, what is, what is interesting, though, is that, like, because, like, I mean, we'll, we'll end up talking about this later, but, like, Zach Benson, he fell out of the top ten. Um, same with um, uh, Gabriel Perot. Uh, there was another guy who, um, who didn't even make it into the first round. Um, well, I mean, like Andrew Cristal, they're all like under six feet. Um, but like, it's interesting for Connor Bedard because he is going to be very, very good. But like, it's it's interesting because in general, like, shorter players just don't get highly picked for whatever reason. I mean, I guess it makes some sense. But like for Connor Bedard, it's like it's just interesting that like he kind of is the outlier to that. Um, maybe it's like the Patrick Kane type of thing too, where like Patrick mm-hmm. Kane was incredible, and obviously Connor Bedard's going to be very good because he, you know, we haven't seen those numbers since Connor McDavid um, in the CHL. But um, but it is interesting how like in general, like guys who are under six feet don't normally get drafted high. So it's just interesting that Connor Bedard was able to to do that because I mean uh, he's five ten. And he's able to like, but maybe they make him. Maybe Chicago makes him into a winger. We'll see. Um, What's also interesting about um, about Fantilli is that was there a discussion that he was going to return to Michigan regardless of who picked him? Well, uh, I don't know if people uh, noticed, but uh, he signed his entry level contract, so oh. he's the first prospect to do that. Meaning oh, right, right. his days at U Michigan are done. Yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah, in point. Ohio full time now. Yeah, yeah, maybe if Anaheim had drafted him, he would, because there were some reports that he would go back to Michigan, but maybe it's because he thought that Anaheim was going to sign him, 
but yeah, maybe maybe that had something to do with it. That's that's definitely possible. Yeah. Also, uh, Mike Babcock is officially the coach of the Blue Jackets. Right, right, I'm right. not happy about it, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, we yeah we covered that a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. Just right. wanted to make it official though. Yeah, he's, fair, he's fair enough. Forward, so. uh, Will Smith uh, gets jiggy with it in San Jose for the number four spot. Yeah, That's a good Bel Air has to be his nickname because yeah. he's like literally in California. Now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, credit to Steve for predicting David Reinbacker would be in the top five. I did not. Yeah, although I thought San Jose would take. Yeah, him. you no, did. But um, I am kind of surprised that, like, you did predict it, and I, like, you know, David Reinberger is probably going to be a good defenseman. What is a little bit shocking is, is that like Zach Benson went, like Zach Benson was available, uh, Ryan Leonard was available, uh, Braden Yeager is available. Like, this is like, you know, and not to knock. Sandine, Polika, and Reinbacker, um, and Simashev. Uh, they're going to be good defensemen, but, like, this is the year where, like, defensemen, like, like the centers and the forwards are, um, are going to be better than the defensemen, just from, like, a scouting perspective. That's pretty much what all the scouts have been saying. And so, so just to take Ryan, like, I could see maybe, like, the Flyers taking Reinbacker or the Capitals taking Reinbacker or even Detroit taking Reinbacker. But, like, getting, like, when you have Mishkov out there, when you have, I mean, I know there was a risk factor for Mishkov. Um, when you have Ryan, like, even, like, taking Ryan Leonard, I could understand. Jaeger, I could understand. Daniel Boot, I could understand. Matthew Wood, maybe, actually, that might be a, a, a lot. But, like, Oliver Moore, um... Gabe Perot, uh, Quinton Musty, maybe like, like there, there's a lot of like forwards that were a lot better than Rhinebacker were. So I, I don't necessarily understand that. Also, there was a report that Nashville traded their wanted to uh, traded their fifteenth and Yaroslav Askarov to get to that fifth spot, and Montreal decided not to do that, um, and then. After which, which I would have done if I was Montreal, but um, but then like what was strange is that Kent Hughes was asked like what what does he see Ryan Backer's future as, and he says like he doesn't think that he's going to power play the court like be the quarterback of the power play, um, at all, and I'm just like well first off he's a GM not a coach but like if you're going to draft someone in the fifth overall pick as a defenseman. Like, you expect him to be, like, me. yeah, I guess, like, you know, obviously not every defenseman quarterbacks the power play, but you expect him to be, like, uh, like you, you want him to be, like, a high-flying defenseman. So just to say that, like, oh, he's, he's not going to be that good, like, then it's like, why did you even draft him? What, what's going on there? Um, Simashev, like, you know, same deal. It's like, I don't... Net, like he he's probably going to be pretty good, but uh, but yeah, there was other players that I could see. I would think Arizona would rather have. What's funny is though that he was the first Russian taken when a lot of people thought that Mishkov was going to be the first Russian taken. Um, so so they they just went with another Russian. Um, um, yeah, the the, the thing with yeah. Ryanbacker is like like Ryanbacker, I think is going to be a good defenseman. Mm. Uh, but you look at top five picks like Erica Branson in his draft year. Chris Phillips, who went first overall in his yeah. draft year, 
Uh, Adam Larson is another top five pick. Yep. All of those guys today, uh, when they were in their prime, they weren't asked to quarterback their first power play unit. I don't think they're really designed to quarterback their first power play unit either. But what they did bring was stability for the long term. And if they think that Ryan Backer can do that, then I can understand that pick. But at the same time, I feel like they went for positional need instead of best player available, and they did that one year. Who was it that they took third overall? Oh, yeah, Kakaniemi. Yep. And uh, that experiment did not work out, and they passed Brady Kachuk to get him. Yeah. Right. Uh, So I'm almost wondering with all the holes that Montreal has if they should have gone best player available, and I'm not sure the answer would have been Ryan Beck. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, Um, even though you did call it. Yeah, I mean, I guess – that, that's true, but like I was thinking, like Eric Johnson, he uh, he was the first overall pick that year. But then Jonathan Taze, Jordan Stahl, Phil Kessel, and Nick Backstrom um, were like the four guys after him, um, and all had like you know not to knock Eric uh, Carl- Johnson at all because he is a good player, but like yeah, I think still in the, still in the league as yeah, a matter of fact. Exactly, yeah, he signed with uh, Buffalo just now, but. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure St. Louis would rather have Jonathan Taze or Jordan Stahl or Phil Kessel or Nick Backstrom. So, like, uh, I mean, I guess obviously that's a different situation. And, and Eric Johnson was a decent prospect back then too. But, um, but yeah, I always when he when he talked about like Ryanbacker, like in defensemen taken highly, I, would, I always think back to that draft in particular because I was just like, yeah, I don't know if like. If you did a redraft, I, I'm pretty sure St. Louis would go with Jonathan Taze or Phil Kessel. Um, or Baxter. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and even Jordan Stahl. Yeah. Actually, so all five of those guys did end up winning a Stanley Cup. Interesting. Okay. Um, anyways, uh, to finish this list. So, yeah, Simashev uh, goes six. Uh, so, another defenseman. Again, I can say the same thing for Reinbacker to Simashev. Um, honestly, I would rather have, like, if you're going to pick a defenseman in the top 10, I think I would rather have Sandine Palika, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think with the Coyotes, it's like, I feel like Simashev and Boo at 12, mm-hmm. who they got in the chicken trade, I feel like those are kind of reaches for them, considering the talent well, that was on the board. I do like, am I crazy to think that? Uh... Not necessarily. I mean, I, I think they're both going to be... Those are both, like, long-term prospects, I think. Um, and obviously, we don't know how, like... Uh, it is interesting that they picked both Russians, but then passed on Michkov. Um, I think there is, like, an element that they're, they're, they were going for more guys who might be ready in, like, five years. Um just because, like, they don't know where they're going to be in five years in terms of location. Um, so maybe that had something to do with it. But I do like Daniel Boot as a player. Simashev, I'm lower on, but I could see the potential there. Um, I, I don't hate it, but again, like, I, the same the same thing that I said about Ryan Backer uh, with Simashev as well. So, um and then, uh, so yeah, Mishkov goes to the Flyers at seven. Um, this was actually kind of funny because it was a little bit of a surprise, uh, even to Danny Briere, who drafted him, because uh, apparently in the interview, uh, like he interviewed very, very well, and Mishkov even like told the Flyers organization that he wanted to play there. 
And Briere said in the interview afterwards, he said, like, yeah, for some reason, he wants to play for us. <laughs> like, he's like, I don't get it either. Which I think it was, it's like a funny, like, self-burn kind of thing. But it, it is kind of funny that um, he goes to uh, the Flyers, because I guess Mitch Cobb just wanted to play there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, like, you know, it's, it's like those, I think the team that wants Mitchkov are like player are teams that don't expect to be good right now and that's what the Flyers are right now is they're they're rebuilding completely and um and they don't even need to be good this year and so and they'll probably not be good next year either so like once the time that Mitchkov is ready to you know go back to the states um, then yeah, I think the Flyers could be a, a good player because um, then you could have like a Toronto Maple Leafs 2016 edition where you have Matthews, Marner, and Nylander in their rookie year at the same time um, yep. kind of situation. So I think this this could be a good landing spot for Mitch Govan. Torts is not going to last that long either. So uh, so whoever is the new you know, coach. By that time, yeah, he, he gets his first training. I'm, I'm calling it now. So... Uh, so yeah, I think I think there is like an element of like okay, they're they're planning for the future. This is a good landing spot for him. Um, although like I, I feel like a lot of these teams up here could could use him. Um, obviously, they could use him right now, but given his KHL contract, it's like I could see like San Jose taking him, Montreal taking him, and Arizona taking him, um, just because it's like they're not expected to be good this year. But at the same time, and they can afford to like take on that extra prospect. But uh, but at the same time, it's like okay, like Mishkov seems like he interviewed very well in Philadelphia, and he wanted to be there. He kind of called his shot, and um, and that's that. And maybe like Arizona's like, oh, he just doesn't like our team, and whatever. You know, maybe that's what Montreal was thinking as well. So they just like decided like, all right. It seems like he's going to Philadelphia or Washington, but um, yeah. So Philadelphia takes him. Um, Ryan Leonard uh, goes eighth to Washington. Um, the funny thing, I didn't even realize this, but so William Smith, Ryan Leonard, and um, Gabe Perot—they uh, were all on the USNTDP team, and they're all going to uh, Boston College. Will Smith grew up a Bruins fan, and he grew up in Boston, so I guess he um, he uh, got his line mates to come with him as well. I, I don't think Leonard and Perot are um, grew up in Boston either, but um, but that is kind of cool that they're there. And Ryan Leonard, uh, I see some comparisons to like T.J. Oshie, so um, so that kind of uh, fits in there. Um, Detroit takes Nate Danielson. Of course, like, this guy is going to be, like, amazing because Detroit always has this habit of, like, drafting guys that, like, like a lot of scouts had in, like, the late first round or early second. Yeah. And then... Not a sexy pick, but, right. like, like, I think a Yzerman's smart yeah. pick. Right, like, uh, so, like, they have this history, too, because Edvidson, Casper, Ka- uh, and, uh, of course, Mort Sider... Uh, like, like, they all follow that same trend. And then, so pretty soon we're going to see that Nate Danielson was, like, has, it's incredible this season as well. So, 
Um, it always happens. Preferred a guy that can kind of like get yeah. under people's skin, but also like not cross the line and like not mm-hmm. really take that kind of guff from anyone. Mm-hmm. Which again, I keep flashing back to that game against Ottawa where Detroit was just getting owned. Like yeah. if back to that games, Ottawa was doing whatever the heck they wanted. Yeah. And I feel that when, as as Eisenman was making that pick, I'm just like, man, that probably stuck out with him till like the point of drafting Nate Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, he's also a center. So yeah. yeah. Uh, Dalibar Dvorsky goes uh, to St. Louis at the 10. What's interesting is is that the Blues had three picks and they all play in the SHL. Um, so uh, so that, that was interesting. But yeah, Dalibar Dvorsky goes 10. I don't want to read the whole first round, uh, but do you have any other takeaways that happened in this draft, Steve? Um, I hate to say it, but um, Chicago, you did very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they got Bedard. Uh, enough said there. But they also got, um, with their second and third pick in the draft, I had some very useful talents. Oliver Moore at number 19, apparently he's been described as yep. Sonic the Hedgehog on skates by one draft evaluator um, because of his wicked fast speed. And apparently he's been taking... Uh, skating instruction classes like not the figure skating kind but like the power skating he's been taking those since he's been 10 years old which is nuts so he spent like a good amount of time in his life focused on this craft and uh i think he could be like a speed demon out there uh and definitely uh a top six weapon of the choice if not that you know a third line option that other teams hate playing against and then um 35th overall, the early stages of the second round, they take Adam Gajan, yep. uh, Slovakian goaltender. And the reason why I mention him is because he played absolutely unreal at the previous World Juniors. Uh, and I also like this pick because it's going to lead to probably an interesting conversation between uh, Gajan and Bedard because I remember that uh, Team Canada game against Slovakia where Connor Bedard scores that wicked goal oh, right. in OT to send Canada to the semis. Where he just basically undressed every Slovakian's jockstrap and put it into the crowd before putting on the puck. Uh, the goalie that he beat out is Adam Gage and his new teammate. So oh, right, uh, right, right. that's funny. <laughs> I I I would love to be a fly on the wall for that first conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also like Nick Lardis that they got in the third round. Um, there was a couple of uh, mock drafts that I was seeing that had him in the first round, so uh, that could be a potential steal. Um, they also took uh, the they they took the Jacob Tutu of the draft Marcel Marcel. Oh really? Uh, okay. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I guess I could go like I do have some other notes of players I like. I will mention that because I talked about him last week. Uh, Matthew Wood ends up going to Nashville, fifteenth overall. Um, Nashville has a habit of like taking all the pro- my favorite prospects. Uh, they took Kemel last year. They took uh, Larue the year before that. And now they take Matthew Wood, so I might end up just being a Nashville Predators fan just because of um, who they draft. I have loved, I have loved, even on the free agency market, yeah. which we'll chat about either this week or yeah. some point down the line. I love Nashville's aggressiveness right yeah, yeah. now. Like they are not afraid to make yeah. moves, and they are making bold, bold moves. Yeah. And even though their failed attempt at the draft, um, you know, failed. <laughs> Right. Uh, they're they're still taking good talent. They were trading like picks for like picks for next year, yeah. and now they just have a boatload of draft picks that maybe they could potentially use as trade bait too. So yeah. if there's no there's nobody on the board they really like, 
uh, they're improvising and they're yep. also creating uh, new ways to benefit their team in the long term, mm-hmm. even if it's by not drafting a player and yep. just kicking it down the road to next year and just waiting to see what what uh, the future has in store for them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. David Poyle's final draft, Barry Trotz's early stages yep. as Preds GM. Uh, from a personnel standpoint, I'm liking what they're doing so far. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, all other players that I want to shout out, uh, Zach Benson, 13th to Buffalo, that's that might be a steal. Braden Yeager to Pittsburgh, uh, that's, that could also have uh, some decent potential in a couple of years. Um, I also liked Guy Perot to the Rangers, um, 23rd. Yeah. And then Axel Sandin Palika in sev- uh, 17th overall. I feel like Detroit knows what they're doing with Swedish defensemen, so uh, yeah. there's that as well. So, uh, well, I mean, I'm, I, I, I had other takes as well, like... Um, as I mentioned, Riley Height going 64th when a lot of drafts had him like not falling out of the first round. Uh, that was that was crazy. Um, but um, oh, and Gavin Brindley um, also gets drafted by Columbus. So uh, Gavin yeah, Brindley. Columbus had some good picks. So so Brindley, but like in particular, Brindley and Fantilli are going to be teammates forever because uh, they're teammates on Michigan. So there's there's that as well. All right. Uh, um, I will also shout out a pair, uh, a quartet of 67s. Brad Gardner to Dallas, Luca Pinelli to Columbus, mm-hmm. um, Matthew Mays to St. Louis, and Cooper Foster to Pittsburgh, all of them getting drafted, so congrats to them. I feel like whoever, like, at this point, Dallas has, like, an incredible draft history that, like, whoever yeah. they draft, like, because I hadn't heard of Brad Gardner before, and then as soon as they draft him, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be pretty good because Dallas drafted him. Which, like, I know that's, like, illogical, but I'm just like, okay, well, Dallas sees something. Okay, he's going to be good. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like, the 67s have, yeah. like, very good development system that they have. Dave Cameron, mm-hmm. excellent coach as well. So, like, when you're getting these prospects, like, yes, they're talented, but uh, they're being taught the right way yeah, yeah. as well. So that's that's the other thing you need to know about the 67s is they draft good players on and off the ice. Um, I will also say uh, that uh, Matthew Mania gets drafted by the Los Angeles Kings. There was some hype to him um, a little bit. Um, I saw some scouts liking him. Um, and apparently he plays like his, his name title. So uh, if he makes it to the pros... Uh, you know, there's going to be maniacs in LA, um, so that'll be a, that'll be fun if if that happens. Or Jaeger bombs in um, in Pittsburgh. Like a team yeah, that has just so excited yeah. to draft him as well. He put like a little oof to his name, yeah, yeah, yeah. just to like emphasize, yeah, we got this time. You did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Jaeger bomb. Yeah, I I feel like the team that uh, it's fitting that the team that drafted Jager also gets a guy named Jaeger. Uh, so, so or, cool. or Jaeger Maestro? I don't know. Is that a pe- Penguins guy? Oh, you mean no, like no, from no. a nick- I, nickname? That's his nickname, Jaeger Maestro. Well, no, I, I like Jaeger Bomb just because it's like when it, like when he when he scores a goal, it's it's like a Jaeger Bomb. Yeah, like, like if the it's drink. a slap shot goal, yeah, yeah. for sure that fits. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, uh, so now we have some trades to cover. Uh, we'll start from... Uh, the the first thing that happened to like we'll go in order from when they happened. Uh, so Taylor Hall, uh, sadly goes to Chicago. 
Um, and then uh, Nick Foligno also goes to Chicago. The Bruins end up getting Ian Mitchell and Alec Regula. Um, yeah, I mean, we had kind of talked about this uh, from the Bruins' perspective that, uh, yeah, it seemed likely that, like, Ulmark, Taylor Hall, um, Orloff, and Bertuzzi were all on the chopping block. And it looks like Taylor Hall was the first guy to move. Um, I'm going to miss Taylor Hall. I, I do feel bad for him, though, because, like, he, uh, I think he said um, when he was in Boston during the playoff role that he was saying, like, this is his, like, this is his best shot of getting a cup. And then, like, yeah, he probably loves, pl- he's probably going to love playing with uh, Connor Bedard. But, um, but then he was just like, yeah, he, um, and then ultimately he's just not going to get a cup now um, if he stays in Chicago. He does have two more years left, so he can't do the same thing that he did in Buffalo. Or, you know, maybe there is a potential, I guess, that Chicago could just end up trading Taylor Hall if, if he uh, does well. But, um, but yeah, he should get a lot of playing time, but I do, I do feel bad for him because he, he, def, he definitely wanted to be on a contender. Um, and as good as Connor Bedard's going to be, um, I, I, I just, you know, it's like they're not going to make the playoffs this year. Um, but uh, I do feel bad for him. Uh, Nick Foligno, uh, similarly, he's a team guy. Uh, but they uh, they just the Chicago signed him to like a four year deal basically. Um, uh, uh, no, it was a four million dollar deal oh, for one season. God, oh, okay, that's <laughs> that makes more sense actually. Because um, <laughs> they, they did the same thing for Corey Perry where they got him in a subsequent trade. They, yeah, Chicago and they also gave him one year four million yeah. too. So they're but they're bringing in guys. It's just like. Yeah. Hey, your your team's gonna suck, but we'll make it worth your while. Here's right. four million dollars. Well, at least at least for Corey Perry's, like sake, it's like he has a cup. Um, but um, but yeah, you you do end up feeling bad for Felino because it's like it's another one. But maybe he is a trade bait if he plays well enough um, early on in yeah. the year. Um, and obviously, like he's not getting that in Boston or pretty much anywhere else. Uh, so uh, so there's that. Um, hold on, my computer is now, um, okay. Uh, then, uh, we, we talked about this last week about how there was, like, going to be, like, an eight-player trade from St. Louis and, and Philadelphia, um, and then Tory Krug nixed it because he didn't want to play for Torts, um, and, um, and then, uh, Philadelphia trades him to, St- uh, Kevin Hayes to St. Louis for sixth in uh, 2023, so uh, you can uh, so St. Louis can thank Tory Krug for uh, for this uh, bargain of a deal because I uh, Kevin Hayes. Not, not only did Philly just settle and get a six, they yep. also retained half of Kevin yeah, Hayes' exactly. salary. So his cap it's now like three point five seven million to St. Louis. Now. So so it's a nice deal for for them, of course. <laughs> it's even better for St. Louis. Yeah, I know. Uh, so so yeah, they can thank Tory Creek for that. I mean, they, the St. Louis still has some cap issues, but that was that's I definitely. I still think Krug gets dealt. It just won't be to Philly. <laughs> I I don't know. I I feel like Krug wants might want to stay with uh, in St. Louis, uh, but we'll, yeah, we'll see. Um, I guess I wouldn't be shocked, but we'll see. Um, then um, Alex Newhook uh, goes to Montreal. And Colorado gets, um, 
Okay. I get uh, a 2023 first round pick. Um, they also get a 2023 second round pick. And uh, they get uh, Gav- Gianni Fairbrother. Um, uh, this was a little bit shocking uh, just from the standpoint that I thought, like, okay, so they get Rijo. I, I guess uh, Colorado gets Rijo. I was wondering, like, okay, where is Alex Newell going to fit? But, you know, I, I guess I can understand it after thinking about it some more, where it's like, okay, Montreal loves the short guys. Um, Alex Newell did have a disappointing season, uh, so Colorado can afford to trade him, and they can, you know, they, they stock the cupboard kind of thing. Um, and then... Um, yeah, Newhook is like kind of like a Kirby Doc situation for Montreal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and also like I was looking at this the other day, like Newhook has better faceoff numbers than Kirby Doc did. So, so maybe he becomes the center. I guess the only reason why I was confused about it was because Montreal has Nick Suzuki. They have Doc. They signed uh, Sean Monahan uh, a few weeks ago. So it's like they have a plethora of centers, and that's not that's a good problem to have. But I was just like I didn't know why they would have Newhook there because they do have a, a lot of centers. But you know maybe they convert one of those guys into a winger. Um, I guess it's not that big of a deal too. But um, yeah, and, and they can just play it by year. And also like Martin St. Louis kind of has been away uh, has been good with short skilled forwards. Um, on with uh, teams that you know the drafted team gave up on, so so I, I this could end up working out for Montreal. So I turned out to like I went from confusion to why Montreal would do this to like actual jealousy of of like oh Newhook's gonna be pretty good on the Canadians or he has the potential to be pretty good there. He's gonna burn the Bruins in a future. I'm, I'm sure you will. Like, I'm sure. Um, you will. The 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 uh, asterisk to those picks. Uh, the twenty twenty three first they kept and selected Mikhail Guliev, The Avs did. Mm-hmm. They traded that uh, second round pick. Um, I can't remember what trade that was. I think it, it was says, uh, in uh, a trade up situation with Tampa. Yeah, yeah. But, it uh, said according he, to uh, according to Cap Friendly, uh, that pick ended up being Ethan Gauthier. Ethan Gauthier, yeah, which Gauthier. is in the Tampa Bay property because yeah, yeah. they just had to get. So yeah, yeah. I guess that's the um, Ross Colton thing, yeah. But yeah, I I think it's it, it's a bit confusing for the Oz perspective because like why would you give up on like a young mm. uh, center like Alex Newhook? Like he was hyped as the skill to draft in his draft year potentially, and mm. and I just like you know Joe Sackick is on the same level as Steve Eisman where it's just like don't doubt them. There's a bigger part of the plan plan we just haven't seen yet, and then in free agency and in a separate trade, we are just like, okay, I see what they're doing, and they also, you know, kept some of their RFAs. Well, they so had Ryan Johansson. just didn't fit into yeah. the picture at that point, so I'm kind of okay with it on the Az perspective, and like you said, Montreal, another young center, maybe potentially turns into a winger, who knows, um, so I think both teams kind of get what they want, and like, again, they got better value than what the Flyers got for Kevin Hayes. So. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Well, a lot of a lot of teams did, but yes, you're right. Um, I also think that was part of the reason why Montreal did that trade is because there was another guy they were targeting yep. that uh, they probably knew they weren't going to get, so they're just like, okay, well, let's just get yep. a young center that isn't that guy. By the way, these uh, those three trades that I just mentioned all happened in this. Oh, oh no, I guess the Taylor Hall trade happened the day before, but 
Uh, well, what Steve's alluding to is the next trade because Pierre Luc Dubois goes to LA, um, and the Winnipeg Jets go get uh, Gabriel Velarde, Alex Ilafalo, Rasmus Kupari, and a 2024 second round pick uh, from Montreal. Uh, which I yeah, guess that, that was um, that that was uh, I think uh, something that was um, that they got. So remember the Sean Dursey trade from last week? Yep. So Montreal gave up one of those picks from the Christian Dvorak trade. Oh, yeah, yeah. Arizona got uh, that from LA uh, after sending Sean Dursey over to Arizona. So immediately I was just like, hey, that second round pick probably isn't going to be in their pocket for long. Sure enough, that second round pick goes to Winnipeg uh, for uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. By the way, that was a sign in trade. So yep. the uh, Jets gave Dubois a contract extension and then flipped it to Los Angeles. Yeah, it was just. Um, do you have it offhand on the actual contract? Yeah. Uh, it's eight years times 8.5 million per year. So that's Bo Horvat money. Uh, no trade protection for the first year, but then he has a four-year no-move clause that turns into a 15-team no-trade list in year six, and then it turns into a 10-team no-trade list for the final two years. And uh, the first, uh, the second year and the third year, uh, his cap hits 11 plus million. Yeah, okay. Of course, my uh, cap friendly, I've been like, I go through like the trades and the signing tab, and uh, Google Chrome is saying, like, oh, it's having trouble responding. Maybe there's a lot of people <laughs> on cap friendly right now due to the free agency uh, market, but. Their, their website is probably uh, under strain pressure because, like, yeah, every one of their moms probably did say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it so. Yeah. Is, hey, my team did something, I got yeah, to keep refreshing. Nothing's exactly. happening. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it was funny. It was to the point where uh, when I heard this trade, because like instinctively, I just assumed that like, because the, there have been rumors that Dubois is going to Montreal for years now. So when I heard like, oh, Velarde is going to Montreal, they get they get Velarde too. And um, and then I realized like, oh, right, right. Yeah, Dubois, like this is like Winnipeg gets Velarde. Um, and, Should also to be yeah. noted that Friedman uh, specified the return on this. I think a day or two before the trade happened. So like, yeah. there were just like probably like cap logistics and whatnot of the sign and trade. Yeah. But at the deal in principle, it looked like it was you know signed, yeah. sealed, and delivered for like twenty four to forty eight hours yeah, yeah, before yeah. it was actually posted to cap friendly. Right, right, right. Uh, Blackwood goes to the Sharks for a twenty twenty three sixth round pick. Um, and then and he signed a contract, so yeah. his, his signing rights, he, he did sign a contract with the Sharks. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah that's an, I mean, I, I feel like the Shark, like, you know, Blackwood just needs a change of scenery. Uh, we'll see how good he is if he's not completely ruined. But, uh, but yeah, the Sharks, you know, they might not give him a ton of pressure in San Jose. It's an so extra it gift. Work. It's an extra gift. It's like, hey, we're yeah. keeping Timo Meyer, so you can have our goalie that we Basically. don't need. And yeah. He was very good a couple of years ago. Yeah. You'll, you'll find something to do with him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tyler Toffoli goes to the Devils, uh, and then big pickup, big big pickup. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and then Jaeger, Sharon Govich, and a twenty twenty three third round pick goes to Calgary. Um, yeah, this was a, a, a like a kind of like a sneaky trade. When I saw this on the lineup uh, that Steve sent uh, the other day, I was like, "Oh right, uh, I forgot the Devils got Toffoli as well." 
Because they ended up also, the Devils ended up signing Timo Meyer. So, yeah, the Devils have won the offseason pretty much. Um, and they haven't traded for Hellebuck yet. I'm telling yeah. you, that's their next move. Yeah, they, they have to get a goalie. That's the only thing that they need now. But, um, hello, like, you know, Vanacek was decent for them last year, but not in the playoffs, obviously, but in the regular like season. Like a game changing goalie. Like, yeah, Vanacek's yeah. good and he's a goalie, but, like, yeah. they need him. Yeah, yeah. Probably, like, a better. Fair, um, but you know, I you know they might just end up sticking with uh, Vanacek. I could see that they could. Yeah. They could use that cap space as a weapon too, because they still yep. have a boatload of it. The other thing is, speaking of cap space, Toffoli's cap is only four point two five. So yeah, you're getting a guy with affordability right now. He just like scored thirty plus goals, just over seventy points this past year, career year for him, and now he's going on. A left wing that already has Timo Meyer on it, already has Andre Palat on it. Yep. Uh, like you replace Sharon Govich with Toffoli. I call that an upgrade on the left side, and they're loaded down the middle too. Yep. So like the way I see it, their top nine got strengthened by this trade, and really good foresight by Tom Fitzgerald. Yeah. Also, like Sharon Govich isn't a bad player, so Calgary got a got a good deal there too. Um, like I could see uh, Sharon Govich thriving in Calgary as well. Um, yeah, he signed a two-year deal, just over $3 million. That yeah. takes him to free agency once it expires. And he's a good little player now, but to fully, it's a better now player for the Devils than Sharon Govich is, and I think that's why they made this deal. Yeah. Uh, Ross Colton goes to Colorado. We just talked about this, but Tampa Bay gets yeah. the 2023 second, um, and that was due to that Alex Newhook trade that they just uh, they had. Um, and yeah, Tampa gets Ethan Gauthier there. Um, right, uh, but yeah, no, that's a decent pick for Co- Colorado. Um, yeah, they get another center and kind of explains the new hook trade from the, the previous day. Um, this is like, this is a shrewd move for Vegas here. Um, they trade Riley Smith to Pittsburgh. I guess it's not surprising, I guess, but like, um, it's just funny because like he was the first guy uh, to get the cup in the handoff. Um, after Mark Stone gets it, uh, because signaling that, oh, they're just giving it to the original uh, Vegas King, uh, Golden Knights guys, and then um, and then they're like, oh, Ivan Barbashev, you were you played better in the playoffs. We're gonna sign you, and we're gonna kick off, uh, kick out Riley Smith. Um, they have no loyalty whatsoever to any of their players, and they're if they find someone who's even marginally better. Than that, uh, than them, they're just gonna trade you. Um, yep. And um, and I mean, I, I guess I can see it from like a business standpoint. It's just like it's like okay, I guess they they don't. I mean, it's not it's not even really surprising either. It's just like okay, I guess they just don't like Riley Smith anymore, and he goes to Pittsburgh. Um, the and, problem with yeah. that is like they could get good value yeah. out of Riley Smith instead. They're just like. We'll take whatever. Yep. Oh, third round pick in twenty twenty four. Yeah, sure. Yep. Just you can take his contracts. Yep, yep. Um, and then the last thing uh, we'll we'll talk about. Oh, I guess there's two other ones that we'll talk about. But uh, Josh Bailey uh, gets traded to Chicago um, for, and the, the Islanders gets future considerations and a twenty twenty six second round pick. What's funny though is that the Blackhawks then buy out Josh Bailey. Um, and uh, the, yeah, the Islanders just free themselves from uh, from their dealing with Josh Bailey. Um, 
but yeah, yeah. So. And, and like I, I get that sense from like Chicago standpoint yeah, before they, they the just buyout because floor. like just going yeah. back to Taylor Hall and Nick Polino, like they're veteran guys yeah. who can help the young guys along in the example of Taylor Hall he's a former first overall pick he's played on some bad teams he's learned what to do what not to do how to handle certain situations adapting to different environments different uh, styles of play um, and just, you know, being a true professional and a team player. You look at Nick Foligno, he's a former captain yep. uh, with, for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he's been through some playoff runs, and he's been through adversity as well, personal and uh, on the ice as well. And uh, Josh Bailey, I felt, could add to that, obviously, you know, uh, on unconditional waivers for the purposes of a buyout, so he won't be a part of that vision. But it's clear to see what Chicago is doing by also getting Corey Perry as well in that mix. They're getting veterans, albeit for the short term, that can help the young guys adapt to life in the National Hockey League. And also in Taylor Hall's case, yep. you know, you play on Connor Bedard's line, you can get 70 to 80 points a season. And there was an interesting quote I wanted to bring up for Kyle Davidson of the Blackhawks. I'm going to ask, why don't you just keep Caden Taves? And you um, can't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of like, Caden Taves, you know, like, Everyone knew they were the guys. They were the de facto leaders. Yep. The leadership ran through them. But you get guys like Perry and Taylor Hall and Felino, and they're guys, you know, that are just as hungry as the rest of them with something to prove. And he felt that, you know, maybe that would be a little bit better of a dynamic uh, for the locker room. And I felt that was a very interesting response. And honestly, something like... Yeah, like I can totally get behind uh, Kyle Davidson for yep. for his handling of that. Um, I also love uh, Kyle Davidson. Uh, there was someone, I guess, doing a stream oh, yeah, for like yeah. a news station or a sports station or whatever. Kyle Davidson is just is just there as like a like dressed up as a fan. Like he's got like the baseball cap on backwards and all that. And uh, they were just asking him, "Hey, what what do you think? Uh, what do you think of the drafts?" Like, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It was Kyle then, Davidson, just in street clothes. Yeah. And the sports or news station would not tell you who it was. They're just like, hey, yeah. it's just some guy. A random they guy. had no idea it was the Hawks what, GM. What was funny, too, is like they asked him, like, can you name like five NHLers? And then all of a sudden, like, Kyle Davidson, like, lists, like, basically the entire Stanley Cup team of 2015 for the Blackhawks. <laughs> and, then, and then later on, like, the interviewer goes, like, Oh, so you know, like, Johnny Oduya and Nick Drummelson, like, I, I guess you're a Blackhawks fan. He's like, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess you could say that. <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny, too. Because, like, Davidson, also, to his credit, he, like, played it so deadpan, too. Like, Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just very funny, too. Um, yeah. That might be my best moment as, uh, as the yeah, name of the Hawks. Great. I don't care what else he does. That was yeah, so... That was funny. That was comedy gold. That yeah, was yeah. comedy. Um... I, I think we, we didn't mention it, but I, I do want to put it out on the air uh, just just in case because uh, I don't know if we got into details about it. But Timo Meyer did end up signing uh, with the Devils um, eight years, $8.8 million. Um, so pretty good. Um, and so now they have the Devils have Meyer, Jack Hughes, uh, Jesper Bratt, uh, Dougie Hamilton, and Jonas Siegenthaler locked up for the next five years, at least. Um, and so that's pretty good. 
Um, but yeah, uh, eventually Luke, Luke Hughes when he turns yeah. into the next big thing in New Yeah, I mean that is if uh, Luke Hughes is as good as we we think he is. But yes, you're you're he, right. he will. I mean, you, you never know with prospects, so that's that's. The, I mean, I agree with you, but uh, but there's this, this also, is a Hughes family guy though. This the, the, these guys are built different. Yeah, but like you still never know, no, like you know, like yeah. even even still, I like no, no, but yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if you could say that even. Like, you know, I, I think, uh, like, if you're just saying uh, based off of, like, family stuff, like, um, like, Mark Stahl is an as... Based on recency bias as well. I look yeah, at his fair. stats, like, yeah, he'd be good at it. Yeah, no, he, he, he could be a good pro, but we don't know for sure. Um, like, you know, like, even if you take it from a family perspective, it's not like Mark Stahl is better than Eric Stahl and Jordan Stahl. Um... And like the yeah, other Stall brother true. isn't even in the league, <laughs> so, so you can't. Yeah, Jared. Yeah, everyone forgets about yeah, Jared. Yeah, exactly. Really, um, okay. Uh, the last trade we do want to cover: uh, Killer Yamamoto and Clint Costin are going to Detroit, except they weren't uh, because Yamamoto uh, gets bought out the next day. I do feel bad for him because it's like one day you're you're playing on McDavid's team. Um, and then you get, uh, then you go to Detroit and it's like, okay, that's kind of exciting. He gets some ice time and then he gets bought out the next day. Uh, Clem Costin, there were some reports that he was going to go to the KHL. Turns out that he did end up signing with the, the Detroit. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and they, uh, they ended up taking him the next, the, you know, on Saturday, but, um, but yeah, there were some reports for that, and I guess Edmonton just gets some cap space. Um, I, I feel like uh, there were like reports, and supposedly, I guess this is what ended up happening. But Detroit was just more interested in Clem Costin, um, and then they just let uh, Yamamoto go. Um, so yeah, now I'm I'm wondering where Yamamoto goes, um, but I can you know I I can see why Edmonton uh, drop or like decided to trade him. Because uh, uh, well, he was making three point one million uh, for one more year, um, and on a flat cap situation, then it's like okay, I can understand that. And then they um, like you may not want that. Also, Yamamoto got injured for most of the year, um, and then when he was back, he was he was actually decent. But uh, but yeah, I can see that they they might not want him, um, but. Yeah, now I'm interested to see where he goes now that he was bought out by Detroit because uh, he can go anywhere. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'll be interested in there. And Clint Costin is a nice pickup for Detroit. At first, I was confused because there were reports that they didn't even sign Clint Costin either. But, yeah, they event- so, like, and then I was like, why would they do this? Apparently, though, like, I, a couple of my league mates who are, like, uh, Oilers fans were saying that Ken Holland, uh, the Edmonton Oilers GM, um, had like like two years ago. Uh, there was a trade for Andreas Anthonisio to Edmonton, um, and it was like two second round picks, and um, and like this is kind of like a favor. So it's like, you know, whenever you see like the future considerations, I've always wondered if they're like the considerations were ever considered in the future. And it turns out that the, this might just be a future considerations trade 
uh, for Edmonton and Detroit because the G- Ken Holland used to be the Detroit GM, so he's just doing a favor for Geiserman. Um, but uh, so th- I, I like that theory, even though I don't know how true that actually is. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know if there's anyone in Detroit that like Edmonton wants or more importantly can afford because they're up against the cap. I'm thinking. No, Yamamoto would probably be a good depth guy on a team like Pittsburgh, perhaps. Yeah. We're going to look at Pittsburgh's cap hit, and as we'll talk about next week, um, where'd their cap space go? Uh, They're suddenly now over the cap. It's probably Riley Smith. They're having so much cap space. They didn't even keep Zucker, but they've used pretty much all they've had. Now they're over by like a million and a half. It has to be because of that Riley Smith deal, I think. Well, yeah, true, but there were also, like, um, contracts like Ryan Graves. Yeah, like, yeah, that was strange, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk more about that next week, but yeah, Pittsburgh did some things. Uh, some I agree with, others I totally yep. did, but that, that'll be a next week discussion. Uh, yeah, uh, and then um, other things, I mean, we, well, that actually is a good segue, because we are now going to talk about the signings that happened. Um, and yes, as Steve alluded to, we're going to talk more in depth next week. Um, but um, I, I will say before we go on uh, real deep into this, at the moment of this recording, Tyler Bertuzzi has not signed with anyone, and yep. neither has Vladimir Tarasenko. Both considered the bell of the ball of this uh, free agency class, and uh, both are still in the market. So they're probably still talking to teams to find uh, the best deal for them yeah. but yeah just just so you know uh, we're not talking about those two guys right now because they haven't signed anywhere well I, I would argue I think Patrick Kane's probably the the biggest one that people well true want. but he's also recovering from injuries so yeah. that that could drag on for the but like in terms of talent he's a lot better than Bertuzzi well, and yeah. Tarasenko are <laughs> he's definitely on that level yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, 100% um, and I, I think Patrick Kane said that he's he's not he wasn't going to sign on July first or this weekend, but he just wanted to um, uh, he just wants to see how it all plays out first before he, he uh, signs onto a team. So he he might be a little bit, but uh, yeah, I think Patrick Kane is probably going to be the the team that a lot of or the player that a lot of teams are going to be interested in. But yes, not to discredit Tarasenko and Bertuzzi because they're they're also going to be interesting guys too. Um, yeah, I guess we will go more in depth next week, um, because we'll know more, but I guess, like, we're going to do a similar thing to what we just did with the awards and the draft, of just, like, things that stood out to us. Um, I thought it was interesting. I I guess I can go start with my team, uh, the Bruins. Uh, they, uh, signed Milan Lucic, uh, to a one-year, one-million deal, they signed JVR to a one-year, one-million deal, and they also signed Kevin Shattenkirk uh, one, to a one-year, one-million deal. Um, and um, and so basically, the Don Sweeney thinks it's 2016. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, and I, I, I love Lucic. Um, and JVR used to be good. Shattenkirk used to be good. Lucic used to be good. Um, I do like the Morgan Geeky signing that they had, um, but yeah, I, I think it's, and I think uh, Sweeney had mentioned uh, publicly that he's he's playing it like Bergeron and Krejci aren't going to be there this coming year, and he also said that Orlov, Bertuzzi, 
um, are also not going to be signed as well. Turns out Orlov got like this very, very nice deal, 7.5 uh, to, uh, was it Carolina? And uh, uh, Sorry, uh, sorry uh, who? Sorry? Uh, D- Dmitry Orlov. Uh, why, yeah, he uh, signed with Carolina, two-year yes, deal, uh, seven, three hefty pendy too. Uh, two-year deal, 7.75. So it's like, I, I love Orlov. He's not worth that much. Um, and it's like two years, so it's not a big deal, but 7.75. It's like, wh- what are you doing, Carolina? I don't I don't understand that. Um, Garnet Hathaway goes to the Philadelphia Flyers. That's a nice deal. Two years, 2.375. That's another one where it's like, uh, okay, I, I guess it doesn't make a ton of sense, but I, I can understand that. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it's like, like a couple of these guys that used to be on the Bruins, I'm like, all right, I, I feel like those are overvalued, and I'm sure Tyler Bertuzzi, he's basically like, like a team who's going to sign him are going to think that he's Matthew Kachuk, um, and so they're going to probably sign him to like a seven year, seven million deal type of thing, and, um, and then I'm like, all right, I, I do love Tyler Bertuzzi, but he's not worth that much, um, so, so I totally get where the Bruins are coming from. And, you know, it's it's weird that, like, now that I feel like Bergeron and Krejci aren't going to be here, it's like, all right, the Bruins aren't going to be as good as they were last year. It's like, it's almost literally impossible. They would have to break the regular season record again. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll see how it goes. Like, you know, hey, JVR, Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, Shattenkirk used to play for... Uh, Boston University, same with uh, Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick. Um, if Grizzlick's still on the team this year. So we have another BU guy in the system. Same with, uh, oh, Charlie Coyle's another BU alum um, in the Bruins system. So uh, so yeah, we're, we're basically Boston University here um, in the Bruins. And I love, I love Milan Lucic. Um, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the show, but um, when I was like just getting into the Bruins, there was uh, like the event because they were selling out their like third uniform jerseys. Um, so I was waiting in line. It was like it was in November, so it was very very cold out. Um, I was waiting in line for maybe an hour because um, all the guys were all the Bruins players were signing their jerseys. Um, and um, by the time I got into the team store. There were only three guys left uh, who were still signing guys. Um, uh, Blake Wheeler, um, Patrice Bergeron, and Milan Lucic. And this was Milan Lucic's first year um, in the league. Blake Wheeler as well. And then, of course, Bergeron. He's the the man. Um, I was too scared. Like, I did end up getting an autograph from all three of those guys. I still have it in my room. But, (laughs) oddly enough, the only guy I had the courage to, like talked to while they were signing my jersey was Milan Lucic because I noticed that when he was signing my, my autograph the autograph uh, to the jersey like I noticed that he had like tape on his finger or his his arm and hand so I asked him like oh how did you get that um, that bandage on your on your arm and then he said like oh I got it in a fight <laughs> and because uh, the week before that, he had that fight against Mike Komisarek, um, oh, against yeah. Montreal. Like, it's, like, a big fight. If you want to look that up on YouTube sometime, it was an incredible fight. 
and, and then he he smiled when he said that to me and I was just like okay this guy gets it like this guy is awesome like even though I was like a young guy this was probably like in uh, 2005 maybe so I was like a teenager at this point but um, but yeah I, I love Lucic um, I'm excited to see him back even though I know that he's a shell of his former self but there is a part of me that's just going to be like hoping that he's uh, he's going to be like a 30 goal scorer like he once was and just like brutalize every single person um, but uh I think if he can play at that level where he, like, realizes every single person but yeah. still gets, like, 20 goals or whatever, and yeah. just, like, the perfect, like, leader or whatever yeah. on the bottom six, yeah. like, that's a, that's like, a home run for the like, Bruins. Like, so, I, I'm coming into the season, like, just expecting the Bruins are just not going to be that good, and if that's the case, then it's like, alright, I get back, like, some nostalgia and watching Lucic play, um, it's like, alright, this is, could be cool, and... JVR, you know, who knows? He might bounce back. Uh, I think Kevin Chavinkirk is... Because he, he he has played a little bit, I think, but he might not be great. And if anyone can take get anything out of those three guys, it's going to be Jim Montgomery. Um, so, so yeah, we'll see. Um, in terms of other guys, um, so your Ottawa Senators made some news. Uh, they they get uh, Jonas Corposalo. <laughs> Um, uh, I was kind of hoping you wouldn't mention this one because it's pretty short. But yeah, so, so here's the thing: like, I like, yeah, like five years is a bit much, but four million yeah. for those five years, not bad. Um, and I will say, yeah, Corpus- no, the AV I'm fine with. The yeah. AV does not phase me at all. Yeah, five years, I guess it's a little bit much, but at the same time, he's 29 years old. Um, yep. And for five years, like, you know, if this works out, this could be, a, like, a very, very, very nice deal for the Ottawa Senators. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I guess there is a potential that this couldn't work out. But I do like it because it's, like, because um, he, he did, like, he did play very, very well against as the Los Angeles Kings goaltender. Um, and he, he was pretty decent for Columbus um, just before he got traded, too. So, like, he wasn't yeah. decent. Like, his GAA was yeah. over three, but his save percentage was above 910. Like, on yeah. Columbus team, that Columbus team, that's yeah. impressive, man. Yeah, exactly. So, like, he's, he's not going to have as good of a defense as he did in Los Angeles. So, I'm not expecting those numbers to continue. But at the same time, it's like, okay, he's, he's like, He's kind of a decent goaltender, um, and if you get him at four million for five years, it's like, all right, that's not a bad deal. I guess, like, I can see, like, if this turns into like a Cam Talbot situation again, then yeah, I, I can understand why you're a little bit fr- freaked out by it. But I don't know. At the same time, I I really like it. I really like this deal because when you look at all the free agents that are out there, Corpus Allo seems like the the one that could be the safest bet. Um, to yeah. to do well. Um, I mean, like I guess you technically Tristan Jari is the other guy, but uh, but Tristan Jari was an RFA. So of the UFAs that well, were out there, uh, no, Tristan Jari was a UFA like yeah. Corpusalo, and he got. Oh, I thought he was an RFA. Higher AAV. So after I heard that, I'm just like, okay, I'm not stressed as much. I thought Tristan Jari was an RFA. No, UFA. He came back to Pittsburgh five years over five uh, million okay. per. It's like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, getting back to everything yeah. that Pittsburgh did, I wasn't okay with. Yeah, I guess. But again, that'll be for next week. That'll be for next week. 
Uh, yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I mean, we could get into it now, but... Well, we'll get into the Corpus Al thing. On my end of things, it's like I said, the, the AAV is fine. The term, I feel, is a bit too much. Especially when you consider Matt Solgard. And I know goalies are tough to evaluate. And, oh, he could have a bad year. And, you know, this might be the best he's ever looked. But Matt Sogard, I'm really high on this guy. I, yeah. I really believe that Matt Sogard is the goalie of the future. And potentially within the next two to three years, he's going to be ready. Which... Again, similar to the whole Bobrovsky and Knight yep. point from 2019, when you just draft Spencer Knight and then you go out and sign Bobrovsky to seven years. I'm just like, if I were to sign Corpus Allo, yes. Okay, I could see it as an option. But two to three years is probably the yep. right threshold. And they bring him up at five. If he doesn't perform, then all of a sudden you got goalie with term. It's just yep. like, okay, do we have to move on from this guy? And then it turns into a Matt Murray situation, although less expensive. Yeah, yeah. But still, you know, there's the turn. Like, mm -hmm. if, if, if he sucks year one, that's like, oh, man, are we going to have four more years of this? Of four right, million right. Per season? Yeah, it could be like a Jack then, Campbell thing. And you're putting thing, yeah. yourself in a very bad position as, as a team that, at the time you signed Matt Murray, it's like you weren't very good. And you knew that, okay, maybe this guy can grow with us. But you're ready to win now. The Ottawa Senators are ready to win now. And they can't really wait around for a goalie to, you know, get everything straight and, yeah. you know, just... But like, I don't know. need a goalie but, that can go out there and play and get wins. But I, I feel I like... I feel the sample size for Corpus Al as a starter is maybe too minimal. That's that's my main concern there. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I feel like just compared to everything else that's out there, it's not like you guys are getting Connor Hellbuck um, or anything. Yeah, so, no. So, we're not getting the best yeah. really available, but we're also not getting the worst. Like, right. they're, they're exactly. the worst option. Exactly. Uh, speaking, uh, in terms of other things, I and mean, of course we'll talk more about this next week, but um, I did like, so Matt Duchesne, we didn't say this, but he got bought out by Nashville. It was a little bit surprising yeah. just because he was, um, he, get, he got, a, like, he had like a set five more years left on his contract, seven million. He had maybe, three. He had three oh, three years. So it's a so, six-year buyout. But like uh, Nashville's just gonna have like some cap issues, I guess, because they're just gonna have dead cap situation. But I mean, if Nashville's just One going of the full years rebuild, in particular yeah. is like six million. Yeah, but the something. rest is like manageable. yeah. So that's the only thing that was kind of strange about it, just because it's like you, you couldn't get anyone to to bite on Matt Duchesne. Like I understand that his like contract's bad, but you couldn't get anyone. Um, but, yeah, maybe there is just a sense that, like, Duchesne was saying, like, okay, I, I want no part in this rebuild. I'd rather just have you guys buy, buy me out, and I would go to a contender, and I'll get less money, even though, yeah. So, he goes to Dallas, which is a great situation for him. Um, and, yeah, so he, he gets uh, one year of $3 million. So, I, I, I do like that that deal there. Bowen Byram re-signs with Colorado. $3.8 million for two years. That could be a steal um, in a couple of years. Um, and then there was another guy that I thought that was interesting. Oh, uh, I like the um, Daniel Sprong goes to Detroit um, for uh, two years. Uh, sorry, one year, uh, $2 million. Um, That could be a decent uh, deal for them. I wonder what Seattle's going to do now. Uh, but because uh, like he was a he was a good player on the fourth line and and he's probably gonna get some good minutes in Detroit so 
I like that move. And stun extension is what Seattle's gonna do. They need. Oh yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, I guess they could afford to. They need. Yeah, they couldn't afford to keep both those guys. That's a good point. Um, and then the last thing I do want to mention is the New York Islanders. Uh, so so they sign uh, they sign um, uh, Ilya Sorokin to an eight year eight point two five million that's gonna kick in next year, um, and then what they do is they sign Pierre Engvall to a seven year deal worth three million, uh, like a fourth liner. They sign thirty five year old Semyon Varlamov. To a four-year deal worth 2.75 million, this one is one that I, I will never understand. Even if Lou explains it to me directly to my face, I will not understand it. Um, it's not that Varlamov is a bad goaltender or anything like that, and there were reports that he wanted to stay in the Islanders, and so he's fine with being a backup, even though he probably could be a starter somewhere else. Um, the fact that he's 35 years old, so by the end of this contract, he's going to be 39. Um, and it's like, you know, 2.75, that's, that's fine for a backup goaltender, but it's just like strange. Like, why are you like, even like two years, I could understand, but like four years for a 35 year old, like what, what is Lou doing? Um, and then, yeah, he also signs Scott Mayfield, seven years, 3.5 million. So yeah, I like, and Mayfield and Engvall are also like similarly, like they're going to be on your bottom six or bottom pair. For Mayfield's case, um, I don't get why you do long term for any of these guys. I don't hate the Ilya yeah. Sorokin deal so much because no, like, I love the Sorokin yeah, deal. Yeah. That's probably gonna be cheaper than what Olivek's gonna get. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's like if uh, like yeah you you could end up having like a carry price situation um, if he doesn't pan out like he should, but. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I do I do like that Sorokin deal because he is the real deal. But, but yeah, the other three moves, I have no idea what they're, what they're doing, what they're thinking is. Crazy. It also might low-key screw the Rangers, because uh, in a couple yep. of years, Shashirkin's going to be getting paid, and now yep. that uh, they've seen what Sorokin's worth, well, it's probably going to be at least that, yep. what Shashirkin gets. So that could yeah, kind of uh, cut into what the Rangers do. Yep. And part, part of the reason why they uh, got Josh Bailey out of town was probably to do this. Yeah. That being said, I mean, listen, the cap hit for Mayfield is fine. The cap hit for Pierre Engvall may be like a million too much, but I can get like, you know, why they find him appealing. Yep. The cap hit for Barlamov I don't even think is that pricey, and I think, you know, if he's a commodity that other teams might like, you know, in two years' time, and like he's still a usable goaltender, mm -hmm. And the Islanders need to clear up cap space. I don't think necessarily that contract is going to be tough to move. Yep. But it's Mayfield and Engvall that are going to be tough to move because of the term. Yep. Like if they're sucking, you know, a few years into that contract, it's like, oh, now we have to trade away these cap hits. Oh, wait, teams aren't going to take on a guy with four more years left. Wow, wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> so. It's like the it's Jay the Beagle thing really in Vancouver, yeah. Especially, especially for Engvall. I yeah. don't get why it's seven years. I mean, it'll be 34 when the deal ends, but I still don't get why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, all three of those deals make no sense. 
Um, other ones in terms of bad deals, uh, Anaheim made two of them. Radko Gudis, uh, three years, four million uh, per. Uh, Gudis is like a decent defenseman. Uh, he plays hard nose hockey, uh, but yeah, four million for three years. That's not uh, that's not going to cut it. And then Alex Kilhorn uh, goes to Anaheim for four years, six point two five million. Um, I do like Alex Killorn, but that's way, 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 way too much for Alex Killorn. Um, but um, any other things of note for you um, so far in the free agency? Of course, we're, we're going to talk more about it next week. So I'm going to talk about this one case in particular uh, because it probably won't get talked about next week because there will be other things to talk yep, about. Fair. The New York Rangers signing veterans on one-year cheap, cheap deals. Yeah. Uh, here are just a couple of them. Uh, so, uh, first of all, Matt Hollowell, who uh, was a least draft pick, fourth-round draft pick, uh, he goes on to uh, the New York Rangers. One year, 775000 If you want a young depth defenseman, that could be a diamond in the rough there. Uh, so not necessarily like a veteran, but something that really intrigued me. Uh, there's also Tyler Pitlick, who has uh, some potential in the bottom six. 31 years old, they signed him to a one-year deal worth $787,000, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, Riley Nash uh, at 34, yep. and a non-factor, I would argue, for you know at least last season. But they signed him to a two-year deal, 775000 Again, a good depth guy on either right wing or center. Uh, and then we get to the notable guys. Philip Gustafson, left-handed shot on the blue line, 31 years old. Yep. One year, 825000 for him. You have Nick Bonino, 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 Bonino at 35. Center left wing depth, one year, 800000 for him. Uh, and then we get to Jonathan Quick and Blake Wheeler. Jonathan Quick, by the way, 37 years old, a goaltender. Yep. Three-time Stanley Cup champion. And um, uh, apparently grew up a Rangers fan, so I yep. think this is probably more of a personal choice for him. He gets a one-year deal, nine hundred twenty-five thousand. Yaroslav Halak is a free agent. I'm guessing Jonathan Quick is going to be the backup now. This is the case, and I think Jonathan Quick to the Rangers really makes sense when you consider that the Rangers are a good regular season team right now, but in the playoffs. Yep. When it comes time to win the big game and to close teams out, they kind of sucked. Yep. Uh, at times. And that dramatic series win against the Penguins in the first round of the 2022 playoffs, they were down 3-1, so they battled back mm-hmm. to win that. They haven't really mastered the art of uh, winning a series and staying in control of a series. And I think Jonathan Quick, in terms of uh, how he was able to do it with the LA Kings, you're looking at a veteran mentor. Uh, everyone looks at Jack Campbell and the good times he yeah. had in Toronto and the contract that he got in Edmonton. Now, he hasn't lived up to yet. There's a chance. But part of the reason why he got that contract is because of his time in Toronto. Yeah. You look at a guy like Darcy Kemper, who uh, was struggling uh, after you know a couple of promising seasons in Minnesota, went to um, you know the LA Kings for a bit, and he was on Jonathan Quick's team. Same with Jack Campbell. And then you look at... Um, uh, Aiden Hill and Laurent Brossois in Vegas. Both of them playing well, and I think Jonathan Quick behind the scenes had a lot to do with that. Mm. All of those guys that I mentioned before, Jack Campbell and Darcy Kemper, 
were probably heavily influenced by what taught them how to be a pro and how to, you know, navigate certain situations and how to win those big games and the mindset that goes into, you know, performing at your best. Yep. I think Jonathan Quick going into that scenario in Vegas, I think he had a lot to do with Aiden Hill and LeBron Brassois uh, in terms of their ability to help Vegas to a Stanley Cup championship. And I think the hope is that going into this scenario, helping out a guy like Igor Shashirkin get to that next level to be an NHL caliber goalie in terms of championships and Stanley Cup Finals appearances, I think Quick can help him get to that. So I highly rate that signing, even though people will knock on him, hey, he's 37 past his prime, isn't what he was. If he can put in like 25 to 30 games of work and be a good mentor for Shashirkin, I think that's great for the Rangers. And then there's also Blake Wheeler, 36 yeah, years old, nice got bought out by the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, good option on the right wing, good option down the middle. One year, 1.1 million in terms of total value, but that's likely that's largely because of uh, bonuses. His actual cap is 800,000 yeah, dollars. Yeah, this is incredible. And I think, and I think a guy that you know again can help out the bottom six, mm. but also you know lend his lessons have. along the way. I wouldn't trust him as like a main leadership presence, yep. but definitely something that can add to the dynamic of the lock. Well, well, on that note, I mean, he might have some left in the tank. So like, even getting him at eight hundred thousand is is pretty nice. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and and he was a captain uh, on Winnipeg before, so. He probably has some leadership qualities that he can instill into a lot of these guys as well. There were, I know that we uh, we talked about this when during the Rangers obituary, but I guess the uh, Rangers are planning on keeping Lafreniere um, and signing him to an extension pretty soon, but that hasn't happened yet, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, I do like that Blake Wheeler deal. The only thing about Jonathan Quick is, yes, I do agree with what you were saying, that, yeah, he, he will provide this... Um, like experience level for the Rangers, but he's not good anymore. Uh, so, um, so I don't like you were saying that. Like, yeah, he he might be good for twenty five to thirty games. I don't even think that, um, and um, that that might end up hurting uh, the Rangers in the in the playoffs because, like, yeah, as Shashirkin could probably will them into it and play sixty games for them um, or more. Um, in the regular season, but when you come to the playoffs, he's he's going to be tired, um, and uh, you need someone more uh, like better than Jonathan Quick um, as as your backup. But um, but yeah, no, of course, like you know, he's an incredible, he's a legend, um, and all all that stuff. And you know, it is nice that he grew up a Rangers fan and all that stuff, but. Uh, yeah, just the fact that like I feel like he's he's not good anymore, so there is a potential where he might not help the team as much as we think he might. Um, but you like know what? If that if that's the case, then go out in the trade deadline yep. and get somebody. And the other thing is why I think they might have to go down this route and and you know select Jonathan Quick, you know, over you know a guy like Alison Andelkovich who went yep. to Pittsburgh, perhaps. Is that? Um, the Rangers probably don't have much of a choice because they also have to re-sign Lafreniere, yep. but also Keandre Miller. Yep. And I didn't up. realize how good his numbers were until yeah, I good. looked at them. He had 43 points this past yeah, season. 
that's not going to be a cheap contract that you're going to have no, to hand no, no, out. No, yeah, that's going to be more expensive than Lafreniere potentially. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I would I would argue 100 percent on that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, lastly, before we go, I do like Shane goes to spare goes to Detroit. Um, I like that yep. deal as well. Uh, one year, four point one million. Um, it's kind of like a prove it deal. I feel like a lot of these teams are, are a lot of these players are signing for like short term deals because they're expecting the cap to go up yeah. next year. So that's yeah. why there's a lot of the and, and teams are probably thinking that as well. So that's why um, a lot of these deals are just like shorter now. But um, yeah. Oh, the other one. Ryan Reeves, Toronto, three-year deal, $1.35 million. Like, what? Like, yeah, $1.35 is not much. But three years <laughs> for, for a 36-year-old who doesn't do anything? Um, I don't get why Toronto did that. That might be even so, more so, confusing than the Islanders. So, so yeah, let, let's, let's talk about that. So, the Leafs <laughs> lost a lot of depth. They didn't keep yep. Ryan O'Reilly. They didn't keep Luke Shen. They didn't keep Michael Bunting, yep. although it was a foregone conclusion that they weren't going to anyway. Ryan O'Reilly uh, goes to no Nashville, other, by the way. Uh, Nola Achari they also didn't keep. Yep. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, yep. Uh, so, um, He'll be they, a good they lost a lot of depth for guys that they got yep. from their, their playoff run. Yep. Um, but uh, getting... Brian Reeves on a three-year deal, while I will say that is kind of too much, and they also did get John Klingberg, would, and I think they maybe might have overpaid him a little mm. bit. But anyway, it's a story for another week. Yep. Um, I do get why. Because I was listening to the Steve Dingle podcast. And of course yeah, you Sorry are. for mentioning the Steve Dingle podcast. I just love listening to them a lot. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Insightful points. And they were talking about throughout the season where Michael Bunting seemed to be the only guy that stood up whenever someone on the leash was getting picked on, and that's why he was probably going into the penalty box a lot. Well, obviously, his mouth probably didn't help him at times, but he was always getting into scrums, and it's just like, okay, well, we're getting offsetting minors, and you get an offsetting minor, and every single time was Bunting. And it's like, is that because nobody else is, like, standing up for him outside of Bunting and, like, maybe Wayne Simmons, like, yeah. every 10th game that he played? He's... Like, you need a guy to facilitate the game, a guy that people fear, and a guy that just opens up the ice for Matthews and Marner and Elander and Tavares mm. to do what they do best without getting hacked on for dear life. <laughs> yeah. And I think Ryan Reeves, potentially, is the guy that opens up that door. He's a guy you do not want to mess with. He's a guy, when you see him on the ice, like, okay, I better not do something stupid, or I know who's coming after me. And also, Ryan Reese is that guy that can, you know, change the face of a game just by getting someone to drop the gloves and getting someone off their game mm. and trash-talking them and just making those big-time hits. So many people may look at, you know, Ryan Reese as a bodybuilder, tough-guy-looking uh, man on skates that, you know, is, is good at what he does, but in, in terms of, like, secondary scoring, he doesn't provide a lot of that. But Ryan Reeves... I think if he plays with a purpose and he plays to the design of what the Leafs want him to play, I think he's going to be a very good, effective player. The problem is I feel like the Leafs have lost a lot of the depth that made them good during that playoff run, and it's going to cost them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The John Klingberg one is also kind of strange too, but I, yeah, I don't I don't get the Ryan Reeves one one bit either. Um, and it, then, it's definitely a signing that you'd have to sell people yeah, 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 maybe. for like a good month. Um, and then lastly, because you reminded me that Ryan O'Reilly goes to Nashville uh, for four years, $4.5 Um 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this is one of those things where, because O'Reilly has a cup, he can, um, and, you know, when a team like Nashville is going on a rebuild, like, almost officially, um, it makes sense to, like, like yeah, you, you obviously, like, Tomasino's going to get more playing time, Svechkov is probably going to get more playing time, Kemmel, maybe they bring him up, um, Luka Vangelista, uh, Thomas Novak, uh, so you bring those guys up, but, um, and they, I also see that they signed Cody Glass for a two-year deal. Um, so that, yeah, that, they brought in uh, Gustav Nyquist yeah, and yeah. Chen as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like those young guys are, yeah, they're, they're like these couple of years at your rebuild is is great because it's like you get a lot, like young guys get a lot of ice time so that they can grow appropriately. But you also need veteran guys to show them the ropes of the NHL and how to win in the league yep. and. None other than Ryan O'Reilly. Like, I, kudos to him because it's like, yeah, he has a cup, but like, he might have that competitive spirit. But like, I, I, I appreciate the guys who are like, all right, I'm gonna sign here knowing that he's probably not gonna win another cup, but he he gets to be like a he takes on another role as the mentor type for for all these young guys on Nashville system, and um, so I. I kind of I kind of love that uh, Ryan O'Reilly signed this deal because it's like yeah he could probably be like a decent third line guy at this point on like a competitive team but instead yeah he goes to Nashville because he's like you know what I'm gonna be a leader on this Nashville team um, so uh, not bad for a guy who crashed into a Tim Hortons like ten years ago um, so I, I I just like that story a lot. Um, yeah, and uh, th- that that's, um, like I said, I love what Nashville's doing, yeah. and part of why saying that is based on yeah. what they did in, in free agency uh, as well. Yeah. And I, it, Nashville's a tough team because I, I want to say that they're retooling and, like, they might be better than we think they are right yeah. now. And this could be, you know... Yeah, they might be sneaky like, good. I'm not going to call them Stanley Cup contenders, but I can yeah. see them being playoff contenders again. Yeah. But I could also see this not panning out, and then Nashville's just like, okay, yeah. um, then we'll we'll have to lean into the future and we're going to rebuild. But well, I, I think they're giving it the old college try of, like, uh, taking out some guys, uh, seeing if a new mindset will help shape this team into, yeah. you know, a positive direction uh, and get them back on course. And if not, then you know they'll they'll do the hard thing and they'll rip the bandaid and rebuild. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I feel like they are definitely rebuilding because if not, then they wouldn't have traded Raijo and bought out Duchesne. Yeah, well, I mean, if if they're if they're I can also see that as like a, a retool of what St. Louis is doing. Like, what did you classify St. Louis as rebuilding? Uh, I personally wouldn't. Well, what do you mean by that? Like, if you're rebuilding, like, you're trading every valuable piece that you have. Yeah. In my opinion, that is the definition yeah, of Yeah, I, I guess, Nashville like. Nashville hasn't gone fair. that direction. If you trade Saros, then yeah, you're, you're definitely on. Well, oh, well, I was actually going to take it a step further. Like, if you trade Yossi, then yes, I would agree. But I, I think, it yeah. like, like at the same time, it's like, okay, I'm looking here at their cap-friendly page. Yossi's 33. Uh, Saros is 28. Ryan O'Reilly's 32. Okay, I guess I can kind of see what they're saying. But, like, I don't know. I feel like last year when they, um, when they, like, like they they almost made the playoffs because uh, Philip Tomasino was incredible, Thomas Novak was incredible, Parsonin was 
had his moments. So, like, I kind of take it as, like, those guys are really young, and they have Kemmel in the system. Uh, they also have uh, Askarov, who they almost treated. Um, you know, they have a couple of, uh, of guys who uh, could make the next leap this year. Luke Evangelista, I didn't even mention him, that he was, he was good in the second half. Um, so, like, those are all young guys. So that's why I think that they might just be more rebuilding because otherwise, it's like, why did they trade Johansson and buy off uh, Duchesne? Because, like, I could understand wanting to, because, like, you know, both those guys had bad contracts. Um, but, like, Duchesne isn't a bad player still. Like, yeah, he's not worth $7 million, um, but uh, but he's not a bad player. Same with Ryan Johansson. So, um, so that's why I feel like Nashville is rebuilding um, the Blues, um, I'd have to, like, yeah, I, I feel like the Blues, I wouldn't consider them rebuilding, but I wouldn't say that they're competing either. Um, yeah. They're just in a bad, they just have a, yeah, yeah, it's just more that, um, Doug Armstrong messed up and he gave his defensemen long-term contracts with no trade clauses. So, like, that's, that's, yeah, it's that's Armstrong's fault. It's about yeah. Matt Duchesne, eh? Like, he chose yeah. to go to Nashville, signed a seven-year yeah. deal, and, yep. like, three years before it's complete, the team's just like, eh, yep. sorry, man, this but, is not working out. See but you later. I would rather be on Dallas than Nashville, so... Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, so Dallas, it works out, like, yeah. There's a better win-now window. And, you know, like, yeah, yeah it, I guess it does suck that he doesn't get the $7 million, but, like, at the same time, it's like, okay, if he would rather win a cup, yeah, you go on Dallas even if you're going to be, like, a role player instead. But, yeah, I mean, I can see what you're saying, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, I just feel like Nashville is just rebuilding. But... You might be right. I don't know. I guess I wouldn't shock me if they get a wild card spot, but I, I just was thinking that like, oh, they they have a ton of young guys in their system too, so they might just be like uh, developing them and just being like in a maybe you could consider it like a soft rebuild. Maybe that's that's a good compromise for what we're saying. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, yeah, we'll talk more about this free agency um, next week. Um, you know, we'll probably cover a lot of the things that we covered this week, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's about it. Uh, happy 4th of July, everyone, all these Americans out there. Um, I guess happy Canada day, even though that was on Saturday. Um, and yeah, um, enjoy summer. Um, you can follow us on link on, on I almost said LinkedIn. You can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. You can also subscribe to us. Uh, wherever else you get your podcasts or wherever you're listening to right now, please subscribe. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Alsworth. We'll talk in an episode of 372 of the Lace Month Podcast.